This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hello, everyone. My name is Erin Trelore, and I am the host of Raw Beauty Talks. We're taking you behind the highlight reel of the world's biggest influencers and wellness gurus to get a raw glimpse of what beauty, health, and wellness look like in today's world so that you can feel your absolute best in your body and in your life. I'm so pumped for today's guest. We have Dr. Stephen Cabral joining us today. This man, oh my gosh, I can't even begin to tell you all the certifications that he has, the hours of time he has spent working with clients and in school and learning. Dr. Cabral developed his passion for health and wellness after going through severe health complications at the age of 17. He saw over 50 different doctors, tried over 100 different treatment protocols, but still saw no hope of recovery. It wasn't until he met an alternative health doctor whom explained to him how to get how he got here and how he could become a well again, that he began his true process of recovery. It was at this young age that he knew his life would be dedicated to helping others rebalance their bodies and renew their health. And that is exactly what he is doing. Dr. Cabral is a doctor of naturopathy, an Ayurvedic medicine practitioner. He's done over 250,000 clinical sessions. He's married with two kids and a dog. I'll just add that to the resume because that's that's an important piece as well. Um, And today we're going to be talking about weight and the specifics of weight and what it means in medicine and what it means to women and how we land at a happy weight where we can find some freedom in our body and freedom in our relationship with food. So thank you for joining me today. It's a pleasure. And I'm really excited to talk about this particular topic and really just uh, maybe go one level deeper and speak about how it's not always just about calories in calories out or kind of under eating and over exercise. And I think it's an important topic that we don't talk about enough. So again, it's uh, I'm very grateful to be on and be able to chat with you in the community. Oh, yes. Both of those are, are are common phrases that we hear in the world of health and wellness. So I'm so excited to dig into that. Before we get into the specifics of this, can you tell us a little bit more about your story? I mean, I gave a very high level there, but when you were struggling with your health at the age of 17, what was going on? Well, for me, it was my first introduction into really being that sick. I mean, I grew up with allergies and I had, you know, all sorts of just coughs, colds, tonsils taken out, adenoids taken out. I just thought all that was completely normal. But when I was 17 years old, uh, my immune system started to shut down, but nobody could figure out why. So I woke up and I had massive swollen glands. My tongue was swollen and just debilitating fatigue, debilitating, debilitating joint pain. And so it was a long journey. It was two years of being shuffled from specialist to specialist. Some told me it was all in my head, which was quite kind of them. Um, and others told me that we know something's wrong with you, but since your blood work looks okay, uh, at least for in terms of conventional regular blood work, that there was nothing they could do. That then led me, again, this is in the late 90s, where it just, uh, at least where I'm from in Medford, Massachusetts, we didn't really have a computer. We didn't really have internet. So when I'm looking at that, you couldn't just say, oh, let me look up a local naturopathic doctor, a functional medicine doctor, by the right. way. 20 plus years ago, that doesn't even really exist. And so there are a few people doing it on the fringe. uh, But luckily, I was introduced to one of those people. And he started talking about food sensitivities. And he started talking about candida overgrowth and bacterial overgrowth. And next thing you know, I'm in this whole new world that I was super skeptical about growing up in a conventional medicine based family, like just taking antibiotics, you know, three, four times a year. Um, And what I found was there's more to health then simply your blood work and if things are in range or not in range. And so that led me down uh, this particular journey. Wow. Okay. I'm dying to know what was wrong. Like what was, what was going on in your body at such a young age that was resulting in all this inflammation and, and fatigue. So essentially what I did was I got a lot of adult based diseases as a, as a child, as a teenager. And I ended up being diagnosed later with Addison's disease, which is the inability to produce cortisol. So Mm. in much of our world, we talk about cortisol is a very bad thing. 
And that's because, okay, too much is going to be inflammatory. Well, not none is inflammatory as well. You can't check. It's also a problem. Yes. You have no energy. Yeah. I mean, imagine waking up with no, like you just have no, cortisol is what wakes you up in the, between six and eight in the morning. So we want that. It gets us going. It, it just turns our brain on as well. And what happened for me is that I didn't produce it anymore. And mm-hmm. um, I ended up uh, with SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, candida overgrowth, and H. pylori. So a lot of gut issues. Again, that wasn't found till later. And um, ended up with rheumatoid arthritis, which is a uh, autoimmune issue, and type 2 diabetes. Uh, this is, I mean, this is in addition to POTS, fibromyalgia, insomnia, et cetera. And so mm-hmm. people always ask, well, how does so many things happen at once? Well, what happened was, and I later found this out in, in my studies. And so this is just about, you know, maybe 12 years old in my knowledge base. But there's something that I talk about quite a bit, and it's still not become popularized yet, which it should. It's called the neuroendoimmune system. And I really try to take these kind of complex and boring topics and make them a little bit more interesting. Because what happens is stress in our environment or from our gut or from heavy metals or toxins affects our nervous system. And that pushes us more towards a fight or flight or sympathetic nervous system dominance. So we're basically chronically stressed. Mm. And then for a lot of people that raises their cortisol levels very high. It lowers their thyroid, especially in women. And it starts to shut the body down in terms of the, the endocrine system, which is hormones. And then finally, if you push it long enough, well, you get a real dysfunction in the immune system with autoimmune issues, uh, as well as really an inability to regulate inflammation. So unfortunately for me, it was a long journey to get well because I was piecing this together. Now today, uh, what took me 10 years to get well from 17 to 27, there's no doubt in my mind, even the worst person can recover within about six to 12 months. Wow. And Six to 12 I mean, months. That's so, so fast. I had Addison's <laughs> disease. I had rheumatoid yeah. arthritis. I had type 2 diabetes. And um, the problem is this. For many years, I was dealing with, I would say, mental health issues as well. I was anxious. I mean, I thought I was, I thought I was dying. And mm-hmm. um, I, was all, I also went from someone that enjoyed sports. And I did a lot of uh, athletics. And I, I tried to do my best in school and was doing well there. Well, all of that was really taken from me. So imagine like all the things that you really love and you can't go out late with your friends anymore in your high school and college because you end up with flu-like symptoms the next day. So it was a very hard time in my life. So what I had to do was actually overcome the psychological components of rewiring some really bad programming from childhood and also fixing my physiology. So fix my psychology, fix my physiology. And I just hope that most people aren't as in bad of shape as I am. But I also say this, is I gave my diseases power, meaning that, oh, I have Addison's disease. I have rheumatoid arthritis. Well, all my grandparents had rheumatoid arthritis. My parents both have rheumatoid arthritis. I just started at a young age, and I became a victim. And what I had to do, and it's, I think that's totally normal for most people to think, but I actually had to take control of my own body, my own life, my own mind, and say, really, we're giving names to a collection of symptoms. This is what I've re- later realized. And really, there are underlying root causes of what got me here. What I need to figure out is, how did I get here? Because I can reverse this, and that's what we do. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash Robbie Detox. Rules and restrictions may apply.
This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all faced, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness. No silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you over. Mm, Oh my gosh. Yes. I love this whole idea around not giving power to the disease, not becoming a victim to it. But when you're in a space of disease or disease or a health problem, that can feel super hard to do. It can feel like, you know, that the control has been taken away from you. Let's, can we relate this to weight specifically? Because I know that there's so many women right now who are specifically struggling with weight. And a lot of them aren't even overweight in a way that is unhealthy for their body. But because of all the social norms that we've created and the narrative that we have around media and women's worth, this is a very layered issue at hand. And like you're talking about, there's a psychological component to it and a physiological component to it. So if we're talking about this in regards to weight, what does that look like? They're one and the same. So what we do is we actually look at three different parts of our practice. There's wellness, there's weight loss, and there's anti-aging. So people may come to us in their 30s and just say, I want to work on anti-aging. We say, okay, um, we don't know that you've earned anti-aging quite yet. And that's because you don't have to work on anti-aging too much if we've got in you well, meaning your body's balanced, it creates a state of what we call equilibrium, and you're at a healthy weight, and then you naturally are going to age better. Meaning like the three top causes of disease are diabetes, type 2 diabetes, are stroke and high blood pressure, and heart attacks and cardiovascular. Well, we know those are all lifestyle-based diseases. Now, is there a genetic component? Yes, but your genetics don't have to express themselves. My genetics express themselves at 17. Everyone in my family gets rheumatoid arthritis. We all have all sorts of debilitating inflammatory issues. Well, I'm now 20 years removed from that, and I don't have rheumatoid arthritis, Addison's disease, type 2 diabetes, etc., And the reason, I still have the same genetics, but you can turn on and off the genes. And so when we look at this, we say, okay, well, here's what we need to do. We tell people first, we need to lose the weight because as we're losing the weight, just to a healthy weight. And so I just want to say a thing too, with you, I totally agree with you that there are um, disturbing social norms that uh, that I'm privy to because I'm in the industry. So meaning that, I am a functional medicine doctor for many uh, so-called celebrities and athletes and whatever, but I will tell you that they don't maintain that body that you see on the cover of a magazine, except for about two weeks leading up to that photo shoot. And really? at the same time, oh, without a doubt. So there, I, cause I help the same women and men stay within about 10 pounds to, to 15 pounds of their photo shoot weight. Now that's also not a healthy weight. So what I tell people to do is stay within five to 10 pounds of your ideal weight. And so let's say you're going on that vacation or whatever it is, you can lose five pounds of inflammatory based weight in a week and not in an unhealthy way. Like, and that, that's okay. So like, okay, you feel your best, you're doing your best, but you're not starving yourself to get there. The other thing too, is that what you see on the cover of a magazine is highly Photoshopped. And even what we see on social media, I mean, how many filters are we using? How many different things are we doing? We're touching it up. So it's, it's an ideal. It's just like when you see, when you look at social media, people are showing their best side of their life. They have problems just like everyone else, but we start to believe that this is actually the real world and it's not. So there's two variables to this. One is I preach all the time. Listen, get within 10 pounds of your ideal, like a healthy body weight, because the 10 pounds is not going to be a difference maker, but 25 to 30 is. So I don't want women to lose the weight 
didn't necessarily say, oh, I feel better about my body. If you want to go that route, fine. But I actually do it for all the wellness-based reasons that are actually tremendous in terms of mind and body. Okay, hold on a second. I just have to go back here to the part where you talk about the fact that oftentimes the people that we see on the covers of magazines or in that photo shoot or, you know, probably for the big like red carpet events have specifically lost weight for that, that event and that you are actually behind the scenes helping them to do that and to kind of like cut back that last 10 pounds so that they're ready for this shoot. Is this correct? That's exactly correct. Yes, that's that's. And we the reason we want to be helping with it is because before that, it was it was literally just not eating. It was just like, I'm just not going yeah. to said, well, you can't do that. I mean, so here's the thing. I mean, I help athletes do things to their body that are, I mean, I do it in the healthiest way possible, but they're still cutting weight. That's absurd. That is not healthy. But for example, in mixed martial arts, I know this is going to sound insane. Yeah. They're allowed to just have to make weight. And they don't have to be at a specific weight before that. Meaning there are many mixed martial artists who weigh 190 pounds and they lose about 10 pounds about maybe three, four weeks before. And they lose 25 pounds in 48 hours to cut weight and make weight. It's absurd. It's not, it's not ideal. Now the body can do it. So that's the problem is that we're doing things for our body that it can do, but are actually quite detrimental in the long run, which is why I tell these celebrities and I tell athletes that you can only do that so long before your mm. body says no more. And it's actually yes. going to lower metabolic rate so that you can't even eat 1200 calories a day without gaining weight. Can you pass on a message to your clients from a girl who struggled with severe anorexia when she was 16? And I'm saying this in all honesty, like I understand that this is your job, but here's my message to those individuals. We want to see you. I desperately needed to see them, the 10 pound heavier version of them, the them with the curve, the them with a little bit of cellulite, the them that is not this like super bionic <laughs> doctor facilitated weight loss program before they show up. Like we desperately as women want to just see them as they are and to celebrate them and like put on the amazing outfit and do your makeup and do your hair. But don't, you don't need to go through these extreme, extreme weight loss scenarios to fit some beauty ideal. That's just making so many girls unhappy. Right. I, like I it's completely agree. Yes. And, and we have that same conversation when they're really honest with me, it goes back to what is portrayed of an ideal that they are trying to meet. And yes. they say, if I don't do it, someone else is going to get that contract, that whatever yep. it might be. And it's not fair. Like, listen, I have two young daughters, five and seven years old. Do I want them to have to deal with any of this? I absolutely don't. And so that's why I just, I don't want to um, make it seem like I am the doctor behind all of this it's very small part of no, no 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 okay. no i know <laughs> I, no not, no not i know and i'm so grateful that you're sharing this because it's so important for women to hear it. it and like we have to have some of these real conversations about what's happening so that there's not so many disillusioned people walking around so i want to just say thank you for being open and honest about this and the conversations that you're having behind the scenes. It's so important to understand that as well, a lot of these people are people who are trying to make it. They're trying to have their creativity and their craft shown and the expectations that we as a society put on them, the magazines that we buy, the stuff that we click, you know, double click and like is often when their bodies appear quote unquote perfect. So yeah. it's really, I think, an important conversation to be having if we want to start to create some shifts in our society around this and turn this whole conversation about weight loss back to something that's about the health and the wellness. So let's talk about that for a second. You yeah. mentioned that for you, weight loss is much more about health and wellness. So tell me some of the benefits of being at a healthy weight for our body. Yeah, and, th and that is the thing is that a lot of these, uh, let's just say celebrities you do see, is they will be at a fairly normal weight outside of that one or two weeks of being, let's call it red carpet ready. And yes. so they're actually, they're, they look pretty healthy. Like that's the nice thing is just they're, they're doing this for the photo shoots and they're doing this for whatever it might be. The problem really is, is those people that have to be on camera every day. 
and you can just start to see them age at a much rapid rate because when you're that catabolic, so part of weight loss is if you lose too much and you, you get too thin, you stay too thin for too long, you get the thinning of the hair, thinning of the skin. Um, you just start to age faster because the body is actually breaking down proteins at a much more rapid rate because it's not getting the nutrient requirements that it needs in order for cell turnover. So we also, that's why everything we do is health. So for example, today, I was just speaking with a, a 15-year-old girl and at 15 years old, a very vulnerable age. So there's your relationships that you're just starting with um, boys, girls, whatever it may be, and you're looking at your body. You're very self-conscious. And so what we're always doing is, I mean, but, but these girls are honestly, though, uh, the girl I spoke today is, she is 50, 60 pounds away from her goal weight. So mm. now let's keep in mind, she could be prone now to metabolic-based disease, which is high blood pressure, higher yeah. cholesterol, type 2 diabetes, and much more of a chance for PCOS. So what I have to do is not make the conversation about weight loss, although we know that she has to lose the weight in order to be healthy. So what do we do? Well, we focus on healthy activities. And remember this, that a healthy body can't be sick. And a healthy body is never overweight. It's at your ideal weight, but we do have to understand is that there are different body types. So Ayurveda yeah. taught us this 6,000 years ago. Somatotypes are something we figured out about 50 years ago, which is simply a rediscovery of Ayurveda. Some people have naturally larger calves and naturally larger joints. You don't do calf work to get naturally larger calves. What happens is you're just more of what we call an endomorphic body type. And for you, you're more, let's say, um, sensitive to glucose. Okay, that's just one particular area, or sensitive to estrogen. Now, another person might have much thinner joints, but the problem then there is they're more prone to anxiety. They're more prone to osteoporosis. So again, we have to understand is that our bodies are unique, but they're also great. There's pros and cons mm -hmm. to both. So whatever you didn't get, the grass is not always greener. Trust me. The other person has <laughs> yes. just as many issues, but in different areas. It just may not be weight. I'm one of those small jointed anxiety osteoporosis types <laughs> over here raising my hand. I'm dying to know when we talk about a healthy weight, there is so much conversation about what a healthy weight even is right now. How do you know what your healthy weight is? Does Is BMI, for anyone who's not familiar with BMI, it's the um, body mass index. And it can be a tool to determine whether you're in a healthy range. But a lot of people now are saying this is an outdated form of you know, measuring this. How do we know what a healthy weight is for our body? Yeah, it's, that, and that's a great question. And so BMI still matters. I used to say that it didn't back in the day as well, uh, because you know what? About 1% of the population doesn't fit into this, but it's typically people that are really on the um, like pure endomorph or kapha body type, much larger joint structure, uh, but again, uh, or it's bodybuilders. But I would even now, now that I've, I'm a little older, have a little bit more experience, I used to do natural bodybuilding. What I would say is this, is that, bodybuilders aren't healthy. You know, like that they, they look like maybe they're in great shape, but they're certainly not healthy. Their internal biochemistry is not healthy, even if you would say the physical appearance looks healthy, which again, we can debate that. So um, BMI still matters. And the reason is that clinically, we can look at this, we say, okay, the closer you are to that 24.9, the more chance for cancer, gallbladder, type 2 diabetes, metabolic syndrome. So I still think it matters, but I look at three main parameters. So there's BMI, there is waist to hip ratio, and the third one is body fat percentage. Okay, so here's where knowing my clients and knowing who is listening to this episode, I don't know if I'm even going to keep that those specifics in here because what I find challenging in this conversation is like those are really important tools for a doctor to have. And if there wasn't so much meaning attached to our weight and what women, how women perceive themselves in regards to how they stack up to this type of measurement, then I feel like, great, they're amazing tools because it is important for our health, for our heart health, for cardiovascular health to slow cancer. And when we're talking about anti-aging, ladies, this is not just about skincare and health. So it's important to know those things. But what I find challenging is that so many women attach their worth to where they fall in these types of scales. And when they don't fall within the quote unquote good range, it's so much more of a reflection for them 
not just of where their health set, but as to who they are as a, as a human being, who they are as an individual. Yeah. Any thoughts on how we shift the narrative in our minds so that we can start to use these tools like once a year as a check-in or whatnot, so that we can start to use the weight that we see on the scale, not so much as a reflection of who we are, but as of an indicator as to how we manage our health. Let's look at it from, a di from different angles. Uh, people attach their self-worth to their money, to their career, to all sorts of different items that are not us. So we are not our weight. And that's where we have to start to look at this as more like a data point and not who we are. Body fat wise, women should not actually get too low because what happens is if you start to approach 14, 15% uh, and definitely at 13%, uh, a lot of women get amenorrhea or they actually lose their menstrual cycle because of greater stress. Mm -hmm. So lower is not better. Uh, what we mm -hmm. want to do is just a, a healthy base range. But I do agree with you. And that's why. So I have something called a de-stress protocol. It's diet, it's exercise, it's stress reduction, toxin removal, rest, which is the sleep protocols, emotional balance, there's supplement protocols and there's success mindset. So two to three areas of eight protocol of eight parts of my program deal with mindset. And it's because yeah. just like me, I, I relapsed over and over and over in my 20s, not because I didn't have the right program, but because I was not mentally ready to be in the place to be healthy. And a lot of women that I see too is there's fear of failure. There's fear of success. What will their friends think if they lose 20, 30 pounds? What will their family think? They'll be the first person to overcome this, this, and this. Or what if I try another diet plan and it doesn't work? And yeah. so there's a lot behind this and, and I'm not trying to make it easy. Uh, but what I am trying to say is there are levels to this in terms of health. And then there's also levels to this in terms of, uh, listen, you could really be eating well and you could really be exercising and your personal trainer doesn't believe you, your doctor doesn't believe you. And there is actually much more than just calories in, calories out and exercise. I'm so glad we're having this conversation. <laughs> I'm diving in and I, I hope that none of it is coming across as offensive or anything. It's just I really want to discuss and break down some of this this conversation around weight and, and to truly understand how we can start to support women in stepping into their healthiest self without becoming obsessive and imprisoned by it. So what are your thoughts on the whole body positivity movement and <laughs> like all these different types of women with different types of bodies kind of celebrating just being where they are right now? So I understand it. I understand it. But I'm <clears throat> so I mean, here's the thing. I'm, I'm a husband and father first. So yes. I have to promote not have to, I choose to and willingly and want to promote uh, strength with women, strength in femininity, strength in you are able to do anything that you want with your body, with your career, with your life. And that is how I raise my daughters. And I have a mm -hmm. strong wife and she would most likely um, push me around and beat me up if I did, if I wasn't even like that. So it's a good thing. And, and that's what I want. And that's what I want for my daughter. So we, I mean, we talk about this all the time and we're actually very careful to not talk about good foods and bad foods. Oh, that's a bad food for you. We, we don't do that mm. because there are healthy foods and there were least healthy yeah. foods, but believe me, I mean, we still have, you know, flex meals or cheat meals, whatever you want to call them. And we're not mm -hmm. saying that any food is really off limits all the time. It's just, listen, these are foods that we do to, to build up our bodies. And so that's what yeah. I want to look at it. Now, there yes. is a fact that I have to bring up and, and yes. it may not be popular. But if we are celebrating bodies that are clearly at a 50 for BMI and that are 100 pounds overweight, we are celebrating poor health. And that's my disconnect. And I know that that's going to be controversial. But here's the thing. Mm -hmm. The people that are 100 pounds overweight, I don't want to see them. They're okay now, 30s, 40s, okay? But they're going to be dealing with joint replacements that you don't know about in their early 50s. And those joint replacements, they only last about 15 years if you're still overweight. So now you're going for how many? Three knee surgeries during your life? You're most likely not going to live past your mid-60s. You're going to have type 2 diabetes. You're going to have high cholesterol. You're going to be on a host of medications. And I see these people every day. So I can't celebrate that. What I celebrate is body types. I celebrate, I don't think that women should have six-pack abs. That's, that's not healthy. 
I celebrate people being at their best body weight for them. And that does not mean uh, stick thin. It just, it just doesn't. And I don't think that that's positive for anyone. So, uh, but here, keep in mind, we have to actually move in this direction, which is why I support it, in order for us to eventually come back to a happy me- middle ground, happy medium. Right. So where I land, I, I, I guess it's not really, it's not really up to us to determine whether or not somebody even needs to be healthy, if that makes sense. Like if somebody is at that 54 on the BMI, is that really any of our business? And if they choose to be happy in the body that they're in, then shouldn't we be able to celebrate that for them? And I also think as well, one other thought is that uh, from what I've experienced when it comes to weight loss, sustainable, long-lasting weight loss rarely comes from a place of self-hate. So from hating the way that your body looks and then trying to lose the weight and keep it off in a sustainable way, because we tend to repeat patterns that brought us to being overweight if we're not dealing with that um, that self-image that we have. And it sounds like you're totally in agreement with that because you spend so much time of your programs working on mindset. And this is a huge piece of that. So if we aren't celebrating those bigger, curvier bodies and there's no place for them in our society and we don't see them, you know, at gyms or in advertisements, then how is that person ever supposed to feel okay with who they are? How are they ever supposed to start that journey to self-love when they're invisible, essentially? So that's sort of where I'm at. It's it, it's a difficult conversation. <laughs> it's it is not. There's not one straight answer. But that's sort of like where I've landed currently. Well, and I, and I just want to say is we should celebrate all body types, but healthy body types. Meaning the the kapha body type, the endomorph body type, is the curvier female or male. Like they have bigger hips. <clears throat> they typically have a larger chest, and they are perfectly healthy as them. So mm-hmm. I for sure celebrate that. I also celebrate the woman that has a little bit more muscle on her body. And she's worried that, oh, I'm too muscular. Well, she's more of the mesomorph or the pizza body type. I think that's mm-hmm. great. That's exactly mm-hmm. how she should be. And the ectomorph, well, she's worried that she's not curvy, right? Because the grass is always greener. Oh, I don't have the, the glutes that my friends has. I don't, you know, like, and so they're thinner. And so, well, they're not happy necessarily either. So for me, we actually need to work on who we are as an individual always first. And I had to do yeah. the same work myself. So again, like, well, I wasn't worthy of because of this, or I wasn't worthy because of that. So really our self-worth can't be tied to our body. And also when, when someone is, so the problem with me, so for, for sure, I support anybody who's living the life that they want to live. No doubt about right. it. But if we're right. starting to celebrate saying it's okay to be, a hundred, uh, I'm not talking about 20, 30 pounds overweight. I'm talking about a hundred, 150 pounds overweight. And we say, this is okay. The, the reason why, and again, this is not popular, but the reason why I have to say it is because a lot of people, uh, who are a hundred, 150 pounds overweight have real emotional based issues as well. And mm-hmm. th- we want to be able to help them with that as well. And also they don't know yet what it's like to be hundred pounds overweight. 150 pounds overweight and and be that way for 20 years and end up with a body that has broken down and live now with regrets. So what I want people to do is work on mind body to the place where they can if they hey if they're 100 pounds overweight they're okay with that. But if they're at their goal weight they're okay with that too because they're okay mm-hmm. either way. But I'm telling you right now the amount of energy, neurotransmitters, hormones, blood sugar balance, sleep Everything is better when you're closer to your healthy weight, and that's because the body functions at a much more optimal rate. No, I completely understand that, and it's figuring out the psychology behind how we support women to feel good and worthy and loved exactly as they are so that they feel empowered to make the healthiest choices for them so that they can live 
you know, happy lives. You get to see what's happening on those, you know, surgery tables and in those hard conversations that you're having with people when they're further on in life. I, on the flip side, have a lot of conversations with women who have been like imprisoned by their weight and trying to achieve this certain body image that they see on the magazine covers. And so it's like, how do we marry the two conversations and find a solution that will work for the mass majority of people or some options or, you know, all, all of these things. And I think it starts with conversations like this, right? Where we're discussing hard topics that will trigger people and light people up. And right. so you know, if you're listening to this right now, I would love for you to share your opinion with us, either in the comment section below, screenshot it, do a post on social media, like let's talk about this stuff together so that we all learn and evolve and understand where we're coming from in different places in our lives. Absolutely. And, that, and these conversations need to be had. And I just, I recommend, and, and this is the way that I look at all forms of medicine is just with an open mind that there can be parts of each form of medicine that I want to use in my practice. And what I would say on this topic too, is that you should never lose weight for the sake of losing weight to make you feel better about you. And I learned this many years ago from a former plastic surgeon. I had listened to his course, taken his course. His name was Dr. Maxwell Maltz. And what he did was he performed plastic surgery. And many of his patients came in with the belief that the plastic surgery would improve their self-confidence. It would make them feel better about them. But after the plastic surgery, he would always do a six-week and 12-week follow-up. He found that they were not necessarily better off after that plastic surgery. And what he then did is he actually switched his career from a very successful plastic surgeon to someone that works on mindset and begins to also look at the subconscious mind. And I'm of the same, the same belief system so that when I work with the teenage girl or I work with anybody, uh, my goal is to say, we don't actually even talk about uh, weight loss. We talk about, here's the hormones that are off. Here's the low vitamin D. Here's the low thyroid. Here's the estrogen dominance. Here's the high cortisol. This is why you can't sleep. This is why you, have a low, you feel lower mood. This is why you're retaining more water. This is, and we just go into it. And we yeah. work on those things and we yes. never once talk about weight. And then they yes. come back six weeks later, 12 weeks later, and they say, oh, I lost 18 pounds or whatever it might be. And I say, that's great, but how's your sleep? How's this? And they said, oh, it's fantastic. And I say, great. The weight is a side benefit. And that's because, again, a healthy body, you won't be overweight. Now, remember, you'll be at the right weight for you, not your friend's weight, right? You won't don't be at your yes. sister's weight. You'll be at the right weight for you. And that's what's the most important. My two daughters are going to have very different bodies, okay? Yeah. And I already know yeah. that because I know body types. And so I just know that, and, and if my daughters who are five and seven years old listen to this in 10 years from now, um, but they'll know <laughs> that um, they have different body yeah. types and both are to be respected, both are to be prized. And, um, and I look at it as, listen, this is the one body you were given. Uh, it's a great thing. There are always pros and cons. Mine was almost taken to me. Mine, I withered yeah. away to about 128 pounds. And um, you could see my literally my heart beating and my glands through my neck and under my armpits. It was, it was terrible. Mm. So for me, and, and if I talk a little bit more passionately and I don't want to see people overweight, it's simply because I know the other side of that. And I know that yeah. um, if we can remove the psychology behind it, which we can't, getting to a healthy body weight enhances your life in almost every way possible. But don't think that a healthy body weight is measured by a magazine cover or again, what your friends look like. Oh, yes, I can totally get behind this. And one thing that you just said that really resonated with me, you started listing the things that we look for in health or that you talk to with your clients. So where are your vitamin levels at? How are you? How is your sleep at? What are your stress levels at? Um, all of these different things. And when we start to focus on those versus the number on the scale, your body will start to reflect in its weight, what healthy looks like from the inside out. So can you 
because what I find a lot of women do when it comes to weight is that they focus on hitting this number or that BMI number and they restrict their food and they go on the diet. And then they think that at that place, all these pieces in their life, whether it's like their vitamin levels and their sleep and their relationships and blah, 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 everything will fall in place from there. Whereas I found in my journey, when I started focusing on all those other things, that's when my weight just sort of landed at what I call my happy weight, where it's so easy to maintain it. I don't have to think really about like what I'm eating that much. And um, it just feels so easy. So can you tell me some of those main pillars that you look for in an appointment when you're talking about a uh, woman's health that you would be addressing? You mentioned them really quickly, but I want to go through them again, because I think this is so important. Yes, absolutely. And you hit the nail exactly on the head. You have to get to the point where it is your lifestyle and you're not dieting because that yes. will never work. I mean, it's, it's not yes. possible to maintain that. So no one in our practice counts calories and no one is watching how many calories they burn on a treadmill, bike, elliptical, et cetera. It's not. God. We focus on healthy activities and healthy lifestyle. And again, that's what rebalances the body because here's what most women do. They lower their carbs for the most part. That, that's what we're looking at. And because yeah. you know what? It works in the short term. But what happens is you say, okay, that didn't work uh, or it stopped working. I plateaued. I'm going to go even lower calories or now I'm going to even fast longer. Well, what it tells a woman's body is this, is that you are in a survival-based state. So this is why keto and this is why low carb don't work for women as well after the four to six week mark because it actually affects fertility the reproductive system, and it affects thyroid. So very simply put, you're telling your body it's in the sympathetic nervous system, so it's in fight or flight. It raises cortisol levels. Cortisol levels is called a glucocorticoid, which means it pulls more sugar into your bloodstream, even if you're not eating carbs, by the way. This happens by breaking down what's called liver glycogen or turning protein amino acids into, into uh, sugar. That's how important glucose is for your body. That's why carbs are not the enemy. And by the way, carbs are actually what calm anxiety help to produce more serotonin, but I'll, I'll get off that topic for a second. Um, and then as we start to raise cortisol, we lower thyroid. And that's very specific. Remember, under stress, your body has to slow metabolism because it thinks, okay, lack of food, war, famine, something's going on. So we're going to low me lower metabolic rate. Now we start to get cold hands and feet, thinning of the hair, thinning of the eyebrows, drying of the skin, lower mood, brain fog, a little bit groggy as you start to wake up in the morning. Well, that starts to mean lower thyroid or something called estrogen dominance. Now, estrogen levels are typically normal, but if you were to take a lab test, days 19, 20, 21 of your cycle, you would actually see very low levels of progesterone compared to estrogen. We call this estrogen dominance. Now people, women start to start holding on to water weight. And again, these are not normal things, but very common because the body is in a chronic state of stress that we're stressed because of our weight, now we're stressed because we're doing low carbon, low calorie. And now what do we do? Well, we need it now to burn more calories. So we start to exercise more. And exercise is what? Another form of stress. And we're not yeah. getting enough calories in the first place. So now you can start to see that this is literally a hole that you can't get out of without instead focusing on health. This is so, this is so good. So, okay, going back to my original question, what are some of the key pillars that you're looking for in those sessions? that women need to be focusing on in order to optimize their health, which will then <laughs> translate through to their weight. I mean, the average person that, that uh, sleeps less than seven hours a night wakes up with higher fasting glucose levels. Well, that simply means that you have higher blood sugar through the night, and that means you're tapping into body fat less. So again, you can be doing everything right, but not getting enough sleep or enough deep sleep. So there's a lab called the uh, Stress Mood and Metabolism Test. Uh, it tests your thyroid, your adrenal and your hormones. So uh, it looks at, well, what are the reasons why some women get PCOS or get lower thyroid? Uh, we look at that. We look at low vitamin D. I mean, the majority of the people in the world have low vitamin D because, well, one, they were taught to fear the sun. And I agree that you should not get burned, but you do need vitamin D uh, or they're not supplementing. And uh, so that matters as well. The other thing is the gut. So a lot of women have digestive-based issues because of years of birth control. They've taken uh -huh. antibiotics. Uh, they are higher stress. They maybe have had a little bit more alcohol than they should and different reasons like that. We could go on and on about heavy metals, uh, drinking uh, wa tap water that has chlorine in it, which most does, that starts to wipe out the microbiome using things like Splenda. 
can start to wipe out good bacteria. Um, so mm. we look at that because remember, you're not what you eat. You are what you absorb. So you can have the best diet in the world, but if you have candida overgrowth, SIBO, H. pylori, parasites, you're not breaking down these foods very well, which means now you're going to start to be deficient in B vitamins, calcium, magnesium, zinc, breaking down of proteins, and you're going to feel bloated. And that's a sign that something is not right in that gut. And until we fix the gut, again, we don't need to focus on weight loss because your foundational-based issues. So we always look at root causes. Like, what's the root cause of this? Yeah. You know, a 10 pounds overweight is it's just 10 pounds overweight. It's not not a big deal. And then that, again, that's that's also subjective, like with 10 pounds overweight, because it's just 10 pounds. Yeah. So yes. that's, that's personal preference. So I'm talking like, if you're 50 pounds overweight, but you're really doing like everything you should, well, there's a root cause to that. Like, it's not, mm. oh, I, I had ice cream one night. That's not going to do it. Like, that's not. No. not <laughs> so, okay. So what's going on with your gut? What's going on with your stress levels? And then what's going on in terms of toxicity? Because the average woman right now, uses 12 different um, cosmetic or shampoo conditioner-based products, and she is exposed to 168 different toxic chemicals before she even leaves the house. So we have to talk about toxicity, and we need to talk about adding uh, you know, fluoride and chlorine and triclosan and phthalates and sodium lauryl sulfate and all these things to our body that, over time, raise estrogen levels and affect the metabolism. In regards to hormones... Because we have a lot of women who are listening who are sort of between that age of 25 to 40 years old. Not everyone. Some of them are in the process of trying to have children. And I feel like now more than ever, I don't know if this is just because of the age that I'm at, I'm hearing about women who are struggling to get pregnant, who are going the IVF route. Is this related to what you're talking about right now in some capacity? Like, can our gut health be interfering with our fertility? A hundred percent. And because it interferes with our levels of inflammation and stress. So it really mm. does go back to sympathetic nervous system dominance. And that just means fight or flight. So if we even think about it from a biological perspective, nature would not want a woman to bring a child into a world that was full of chaos, famine, drought, and war. So massive stress would cause a woman to have higher levels of cortisol, drop her thyroid, and also drop her progesterone levels meaning then she actually loses the luteal phase of her menstrual cycle. So the first 14 days or so, the follicular phase dominated by higher levels of estrogen, that's totally normal. But then the luteal phase, the last 14 days or so, strongest in the last, uh, well, days 19 uh, through 21, the highest levels of progesterone during those days uh, and optimum time um, for conception is uh, there's going to be lower. So what happens is, we women actually lose their period or the period ends up being irregular 28 days, one month, 40 days, another, that's another mm. sign that there is a dysfunction in this normal rhythm within a woman's body. And so again, it could be from toxicity. It could be from gut health, could be from heavy metals, but either way, it's going back to this stress dominance in the body. And that is why, again, our goal is to actually get women off of these low carb diets when they're losing their menstrual cycle, they're trying to get uh, pregnant. And that's because if we give the body some carbs again, uh, well, the body's like, oh, well, okay, we're not missing a whole macronutrient. There's only three macronutrients, protein, carbs, and mm -hmm. fat, like we get one back. So now the body's like, oh, okay, we can produce more of that thing called serotonin. And serotonin is our happy, feel good neurotransmitter. And it's predominantly made in the gut. And if we make more serotonin, well, serotonin is a precursor to melatonin. So now we're most likely sleeping better at night, which then allows us to break the cycle and wake up a little bit more refreshed. So remember, there is no silver bullet. It's everything works with everything. Everything pulls on everything in your body. It is truly a holistic system uh, within your body. I mean, I could sit here and talk to you for hours. I feel like you are a wealth of knowledge. If you were to die today... But before you died, you had an opportunity to write an email that would land in every single woman's inbox tomorrow morning. What would that email say? Wow, that's pretty powerful, especially since I am an emotional guy. It might not seem like that, but, um, you know, life taught me some really hard lessons at a young age and uh, it made me grow up really fast. So I have a very different perspective on life and I try to empathize a, a little bit more. Um, with people because I know that inside of many of us is this quiet desperation, this this struggle, this suffering that we many of us go through. 
So hmm. what I would say, and this is honestly what I, what I do say is that um, you are enough right now. And also that everything's going to be okay. So I hmm. wish I knew that many years ago. Because when you're in it, as we were talking about in the beginning of the show, it's hard to change your mind. It's hard to think positively. It's hard not to think like a victim because you're in it and you also don't know anything else and you don't have any hindsight. So now what I do is I teach women, I teach men, I say this, listen, you've overcome other things in your life, right? And if you've overcome that, use that strength to say, why not this? If I was able to do that, why can't I do this as well? And if there's also one other woman out there who's been able to overcome it like you, then you can too. I can hear the passion in your voice. And I mean, the hours that you have put into learning and dedicating yourself to people is absolutely incredible and so inspiring. I I really, truly meant it. I could listen to you talk about what you know for hours and hours on end. So I can't thank you enough for joining us today. Where can everyone find you if they want to connect further with you to learn more? My, I have a podcast that it comes out daily. It's called The Cabral Concept. Um, so you can definitely check that out. My main website is stephencabral.com. And I wrote a book not too long ago called The Rain Barrel Effect. Uh, if you don't have a copy, I'm going to send you out a copy. Uh, That really talks about how we got to where we are right now and also defines the de-stress protocol of how we can get out of it. And so, because I I really do believe there's an answer for everyone. And so um, education is always the first starting point. Like today might've been a hard conversation. I hope that I didn't offend anyone, but I just wanted to bring another side to it from a medical perspective. And um, these conversations are, are very powerful and they are needed. So I appreciate you having me on. Thank you very much. These are important conversations to have and nobody's perspective is wrong. It's about understanding and about learning from one another. So it is all, it is, this is what we are here for. This is what Raw Beauty Talks was created for. Thank you so much to everyone who tuned in and who is listening. If you found that this conversation was interesting, if you learned anything from it, if you want to spark a conversation up between girlfriends or your partner, please share it with them, pass it along so we can keep this conversation going. I so appreciate it. And as always, take what resonates with you from this episode and leave the rest behind. That's your power. I hope you have an amazing week and I can't wait to see you next week. ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.